Greetings, friends. Future Andrew here, dropping into these past episodes to tell you thanks. Thanks for checking out RTAF. If you're valuing the show as a wellspring of inspiration and artistic fuel and would like to help keep the show going, you can find out more about how to do that at patreon.com slash podcast. Every little bit adds up and keeps me inspired to bring you quality content on a consistent basis. Thanks for listening, and stay creative. This episode of the RTAF Podcast is brought to you by LostSailorLeather.com. Lost Sailor Leather is the artwork of Jared Michael Trantham. He's a fourth-generation leathersmith artist, and he's sponsoring the podcast by making a bunch of keychains for us. We have leather keychains with the RTAF logo stamped into them with all these crazy colors, and you can find those on our website at rtafpodcast.com. John and I have them on our websites as well at andrewnorrisarts.com and johnspeaker.com. Jared makes all types of wearable art and more. He has wallets, belts, vests, and he also does things like um, whiskey flasks, keychains, as we just mentioned, and even journal covers. I myself have a belt, a wallet, a keychain, and a journal cover. I highly endorse his product. He does a great job. He's a great artist. You can also hit him up for some custom pieces. Uh, A lot of things I didn't mention here, but he can pretty much make anything. Dog collars, human collars, collars. if you're into that. Just holler at him. You guys go support him. And right now, if you go to LostSailorLeather.com, you can take 20% off your entire order if you use the code RTAF20. So go on over and support our homie. Thank you, Jared, for sponsoring the podcast. And check out those keychains to support RTAF. Welcome to another episode of RTAF Podcast. Thank you for being here. Today, we talked with the one and only Chris Serposa. He goes by Noble Arts Project on Instagram and Facebook. And I believe that is his website. We will link you to that. Um, today we talked about Chris, uh, Chris's brief stint in the military in the beginning of the early 2000s, how his integration back into society afterwards is a lot like what people may be experiencing now on an emotional, psychological level. We talked about the importance of being grateful of being kind um, and just Chris's journey on how he started making art and the therapeutic benefits of making art so yeah let's jump right into it we hope you guys enjoy this is a Skype interview um, with all three of us separate as the COVID-19 orders still rage on And we're happy to be able to keep this up. So thank you guys for listening. Feel free to share, subscribe, rate, and review. And let's Let's blast blast off.
What's up? Where are you living? Uh, Wheat Ridge these days. Wait, where is Wheat yeah. Ridge? Where is that? Uh, I'm not quite sure where that is on the map. Let's see, what is that? Uh, north of Denver. Okay. So far, Nevada, um, in Highlands area. All right, cool. Yeah, so yeah. It's... Not too far, about half hour. Nice. Yeah. Let me scoot up here. Let's see. You guys hear me okay? Yeah. It's, uh, sounds like a... Uh, clear. Is it clear for you? It sounds like a little watery to me for some reason. I don't know why. Um, is it cutting in and out? Yeah, it was. That sounds all right. Hold on, let's see something. Okay, how's that? Yeah, it sounds good. Okay, cool. Sweet. Right. Thank you. Hey, get that painting in the background, dude. We need more of that. <laughs> no, we don't need more. I'm just saying, like, yeah, there we go. Sure. <laughs> Dope. Yeah, staring at it, waiting for you guys. I love that one, man. You really, a little different. Yeah, you went a little bit of, you went, like, wild style with that one. Sick. <laughs> I guess uh, working at Great has kind of influenced, you know, my style, just staring at everything it's so unorthodox to my style so it's definitely had influence yeah it's really cool i like it Thank you. yeah <clears throat> yeah i know like your technique typically you uh you do a lot of illustration right in like pencil first before you paint over it yeah here let me show you this is kind of uh, my sketchbook here damn so I got like, yeah, I, I tend to sketch on this big sketchbook, a lot of different things. Um, and then I paint it. Hell yeah. Nice. <clears throat> so that, that last one I showed you, I'm actually painting. It's over here. I don't know if you can see that piece. Oh, yeah. 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 Hell yeah. <clears throat> yeah it's like so, sexy uh, and scary all at the same time. Yeah. I like that. I was really big into comic books, uh, drawing comic books when I was a kid. And so um, I wanted to learn how to paint, and I didn't really know a lot of painters out here. And so I figured I'd just print my illustrations on a canvas and just color it like a coloring book. Nice. And and this has been – was as I started that about four years ago, and uh, (laughs) – Currently, just evolved into just me just trying to paint because it's difficult to paint within the lines. You know, it's a mm-hmm. march. It took too long. It's like taking me almost a year and a half to two years to finish a paint. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. Well, they, there's something nice about like if you do print your drawing onto a canvas because I find it hard sometimes. You know, I'll do a dialed-in drawing and then it's hard to get that same kind of energy or like precision once I go to paint it, which can be like a little frustrating sometimes, but yeah. Yeah. It's uh, definitely far more liberating painting now without having the confines of an illustration. I do love that like snapped in a focus illustrative look. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I kind of phase in and out. Like I have a few paintings I'm doing right now like that. And a few paintings like this, I kind of jump back and forth. Oh yeah. How long have you been painting? Were you like drawing for a while before you 
started painting? Yeah, so the painting thing has probably been about a four-year process now. Uh, but I was drawing for a while. Uh, I think in my 20s, I kind of stopped drawing altogether. My art took a backseat for a long time in my life mm-hmm. uh, till I moved to Colorado in 2012. And um, I was in the mountains growing, and so I had a lot of free time. And uh, I was using a lot of that time to just get back into art, which was mainly drawing at that time. Oh, yeah. What yeah. took you out of it in your 20s? Oh, shoot. Uh, trying to fit in to society with careers. And, uh, you know, I had uh, come back from a tour in Afghanistan. And when I came back in 2005, mm-hmm. uh, I just kind of lost a few of my years just chasing money and career and women. <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing you know i'm sure a lot of people can relate um but yeah i just decided to try a a different um career path i guess Uh, which yeah which took me a long time it took me detoured me for a long time probably a good seven years ten years of my life damn yeah wait you were in afghanistan i was in the army so like 11 happened right 2001 and uh i was just getting into art school in florida mm-hmm. and uh, once the uh, 9-11 thing happened you know i decided to i don't know join the army <laughs> yeah that's wild join the army 2001 yeah let's do it but yeah they, it was the national guard and they told me oh yeah you guys don't get shipped overseas you just stay in, you know, the country and defend our borders, uh-huh. which is <laughs> two years later, three years later, they, they mobilized our unit and we ended up shipping out to Afghanistan. Damn. Uh, that was 2004, 2005. I think we spent like months training in Camp Shelby, Mississippi, fucking heat of the summer, uh, humidity is fucking awful humidity <laughs> <laughs> in the summer is no joke man yeah yeah and you, gotta, and you gotta think you know carrying around uh your training to go overseas so they had us doing like urban combat training they had like mock villages set up in the middle of the fucking swamp and mm-hmm. we were going over there doing uh scenarios like training scenarios we would do that day in and day out for months. And it was just, you know, you got to think uh, you're wearing full gear. You know, um, they had us wearing flak vests, like metal plated vests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, tons of ammunition, probably like 300 rounds of ammunition strapped to us, carrying around our Kevlars and our machine guns just to acclimate us to when we're actually over there. It's like, reactionary and nothing new to us mm-hmm. so um yeah we spent a, a good few months training and then by 2005 we were yeah in afghanistan doing missions and doing a whole bunch of nothing really <laughs> <laughs> that's wild man that's so crazy to be in the ar- army go to afghanistan and now you're making trippy paintings yeah it's, it's- <laughs> I feel like the most, um, you know, prolific or ambitious, like, uh, uh, 
people are, I guess, are like vets, you know, because they, they stand for something and they're so voracious about achieving stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, especially reformed veterans, you know, they, they, they want to kind of contribute to society. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I guess it's a healthy way of like transmuting drugs and alcohol. Cause a lot of soldiers, they come back and they, they kind of escape in that too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I did, I did as well. That's the reason why I took a good seven years of my life. I was kind of drowned in a lot of that, just trying to cope, um, with a lot of different things. You know, I don't want to seem unpatriotic, but it seemed like coping with a lot of deception. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, deal with, you got to think 9-11, uh, I grew up holding my hand, saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And so I was moved by nationalism to to fight or do something to defend the country. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's a really strange feeling. It's just like, I want to go over there and fight the bad guys kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there was there was a huge wave of young men that did the same thing. I was in the military in Paras Station with thousands of people that were moved with the same kind of ambition mm-hmm. to do something to like stand up, fight, or defend. You know, was was the main motivation of that. So it was really interesting to be a part of that. You yeah. know, and then <clears throat> coming back, we realized that it was not quite that but layered with other things mm-hmm. is the reason we're over there and you know for young men to come back here and sacrifice a whole year of their lives to see a lot of atrocious things to come back here and then just live life again is uh, a little hard to endure it's like something that they hardly could prepare us for yeah right. and so, you know it's it's kind of natural that uh, you know these young people would you know, go into drugs and alcohol, just a means to cope with it all. Self-medicate, you know? just cal- calm the weirdness. And, you know, it, it's such a noble thing in a way to want to enlist in that time because you love your brothers and sisters that you share, you know, <laughs> you're Americans together and you love them and you want to protect them. And it's a manifestation of love, but then, yeah, it's, it's weird how, you know, certain lies were used to get us in there. And it's, you know, the, the people that want to participate, it's out of the goodness of their hearts, but there was ulterior motives of the leaders and maybe not enough care for the fact that you are like actual human beings, Yeah, you know? That that's what you know uh, allowed me to survive. I think from everything from the boredom to the the bullshit that was over there was like just the camaraderie, and you hear that a lot from soldiers, you know. Yeah. But it's thing that gives you life there because um, you know there's nothing there that you can relate with. You're just like in a foreign land. Yeah, and, you know, you go back to basics. And uh, we're all sitting around eating MREs, talking about our girlfriends back home, about the nice cars we drive, get back with all the money we've made. <laughs> you know, just basics, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and simplicity because uh, you can't really relate to anything else that's over there. Yeah. Totally. Strange. Yeah. <laughs> how old were you when you enlisted? Oh, how old were you when you enlisted? Oh, okay, I was uh, I was twenty one. Yeah, back then. Yeah, I I, I just uh, 
enrolled in art school. Yep, I was in my young 20s. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're such a baby when you're 21. I know you're a legal adult, but I don't know. I'm 32 now, and I was a child at that age. 21? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's, you know, at at that age, I can look and see that uh, I was just driven with a lot of ambition. I mean, I still am, but you know, that definitely was a, a you know, a fire in, in, in just ex- wanting to experience things, mm-hmm. uh, that age, no matter what it was, you know, kind of just like blindfully <laughs> going for it. <laughs> yeah. And then like, so, I mean, after you came back and then you went down kind of a strange path, what kind of helped turn it for you and, and bring you to this path now of being an artist? Um, you know, I, I guess I would have to say, I'd say a girlfriend that I was dating then, you know, it was a real toxic relationship. (laughs) (laughs) She was my veritable colleague, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think it just, things were so bad after a while that, um, you know, I had got fired from a job that I had, uh, I broke up with her and, uh, there was really no way out for me I was kind of like what now like what have I done it was just it just seemed like a, a toxic cycle of things and um, I ended up having an opportunity to move to Colorado uh, to grow pot hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you know I didn't really have another option I was like oh that's the next adventure and I just literally um, left everything in Florida, my car and just like, with just like $600 to my name and two suitcases. And I just jumped in the car with them and again, it's all she wrote. <laughs> Leap of faith. You just went for it. It's awesome. Yeah. And it's not what, what turned into I, art was, uh, such even still in the back seat. Then I just wanted something different. Yeah. 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 moved to Colorado and, and sure enough, it was something different, but uh, art still wasn't, you know, there. I was kind of, you know, drawing a little bit here and there when I was bored at the house because you got to think I was living with four dudes and growing offers you a shit ton of time. Right. And so <clears throat> I was just drawing kind of doodling really, but still I didn't know anybody here. I didn't know where to start. Like I had no idea even that the, you know, festival scene was, was a thing, mm-hmm. you know? completely oblivious to any of that nice yeah crystal meditation any of that stuff is like so like out of my radar yeah yeah just uh just i was just straight like this kind of meathead workout kind of dude from florida that's a veteran just drinking all the time that's the kind of guy i was yeah So um, when you started in uh, like drawing and stuff, when you had free time while you were growing, uh, did you end up finding it like therapeutic or um, did the growing, maybe growing too helped okay. uh, be therapeutic? You know, you just triggered a memory. Um, there was some. There was a chain of events or things that I was getting into that really brought the creativity out. Okay, and it's going to sound cliche, but I'm just going to say it. So, back in 2012, you know, craving something different. I was in the mountains. I'd never lived in the mountains. It was a ton of snow out, so that was like super different for me. But I started getting into things 
obviously like meditation stuff, but it was so foreign to me. But it, the, the, the newness of it allowed me to just venture into it completely like without any bias or judgment. You know, it just felt good to me. And it seemed like it was something so deprived of who I was um, because I was just running around doing stupid shit that I, I, I investigated with like a voracious attempt. I was just like, what is this? This is making me feel good. I feel at peace. And so um, they had a, a buddy of mine that would come over and, you know, hang out with us and stuff. And uh, I would talk to him to the best that I can facilitate this new onrush of ideas coming, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, he he was kind of like, dude, what are you talking about? You sound crazy, this and that. But he so happened to give me a book that I couldn't put down. And it kind of galvanized or created a fertile foundation for where my mind was traveling. And this book was um, The Ancient Secrets of the Flower of Life by Drenvalo Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. Not sure if you guys are familiar with that particular uh, literature. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. You okay? So it's a the the, the book. Uh, you know, it, it gave me this framework for uh, geometry, in a sense of abridging, uh, like what spirituality could be, or like self awareness. And I had no idea that even existed. I didn't know how to connect a geometric foundation with an emotional process, you know, mm. and when I was reading it, the way it was, it was explained made so much sense to me that I was obsessed with, uh, drawing that geometry. And I, I'm pretty sure I share this experience with most people because a lot of people now, especially years after everyone's rocking it on t-shirts and loves the design. Right. Mm-hmm. But this a very, you know, new process where I had no idea what any of this was. And so being obsessed with drawing that geometry, I truly believe in an experiential sense triggered something in me that I started drawing more prolifically than I've ever had in my life. So it, it literally created something that like I buried. Okay. And, oh, yeah. and that's why it seems kind of cliche because you hear those stories so prolific now, but mm-hmm. it truly did have an impact in my life you know, to that degree. So coincidentally, I had just moved to Colorado. So I, of course, I was like finding crystals on the ground. So I was kind of, kind of like this childlike, I had abandoned all of my notions and images of who I was as an adult and my story as a veteran and all the bad things that I've seen happen. And I was kind of just like playing in the dirt, like a hippie, but it was so genuine to me. I didn't even label it as like, oh, I'm being a hippie. I was just like, wow, this is something that I forgot. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And in that energy, more of the creative process was able to come out for me. You know what I'm saying? Because I didn't have these margins of of who I was as like a soldier, an adult, or the bad things that perhaps probably kept the, the creative spirit from coming out. Mm-hmm. You had had like a a rebirth moment and you got to have like childlike wonder again. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. You know, and I think that's magical, uh, especially around these weird fucking times we're living in where everyone holed up at their house. And like I was at fucking Boulder the other day just trying to get some food at Whole Foods and there was a huge line that would let people in one at a time and like cleaning the carts all like crazy and. 
you know, everyone's afraid to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Kind of like get away from me. You know, yeah. I make small talk with people, and people just looked at me like, "Please don't talk to me." <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like under high stress like this, a childlike nature is is almost like golden. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it'll allow negotiate and navigate through this um or else you kind of lose yourself in in all of it Mm -hmm. right yeah how speaking of which i mean how have you been holding up with the whole quarantine thing how's it been going for you i you know and it i have to say that it's nothing new to me you know since what we're talking about like um acclimating to uh western culture after being stripped away from it for a year um you know it's kind of like this what i think undergoing or some kind of ptsd um with having a loss of something and then trying to self-identify now with something new Mm -hmm. right that's the same process i feel like that veterans go through or anybody that goes through any type of crises, like a near-death situation, you know, um, <clears throat> it's just strange because now the whole culture globally, not even just Western culture, is dealing with it, yeah. you know. Right. So in that sense, it should galvanize people to say, I'm not the only one going through this because a lot of veterans feel like that mm-hmm. or people through trauma they're like i'm the only one going through this at least we can rest in the fact that everyone is going through this and say shit we got this yeah Uh, Yeah. it's an opportunity for extreme empathy the entire world is sharing a feeling at the same time yeah yeah that there has been an amazing display of empathy from people that i kind of shocked me with you know, let's just say landlords that would be like, hey, you better have that money or you're two days late. Well, I'm going to tax on a hundred dollars. I've, I've heard stories of these people coming forward and saying, hey, it's OK. Mm. You know, we'll work something out, perhaps like, you know, we'll pay you back or, you know, just different options. Yeah. Right. And, and that's a start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like. And I don't want to be too judgmental or critical. I feel like it's a shame that it took this for people to show just a little bit of empathy. And even that, that, that shadow aspect of it, you know, we shouldn't hide from shame. We realize and be aware that we have come this far with our kind of greed and lust for money um, and even vanity to, to be so stringent, so hard on people's lives just mm-hmm. to demand you know, some kind of monetary exchange, yeah. you know, it's yeah. become so toxic that I guess it, it took a virus in and it of itself. I mean, that, that whole, that whole idea seems so predatory. That's the virus to me, mm-hmm. you know, right. it's just synchronistic that everything shows up as an actual virus and it's affecting people emotionally and, and in their health, you know, but, um, you know, if it took that to kind of shake us up. A little bit and so be it you know mm-hmm. i think we should you know, self and, and rejoice in that yeah it was like it felt like we were just the whole world was running on this insane momentum and we were just going to ride that shit till the wheels fell off and uh-huh. and it's like nobody wants a global pandemic to happen but it might have saved us from fucking really losing it you know it yeah might, might be the better alternative to where we were headed you know, 
Well, it's, I'll say this, you know, and that talking about my time overseas and like coming back is a good segue for this because in a personal sense, that's how I felt when I was going through those, you know, seven plus years of just drinking and this and that, you don't, you know, when you're going through an experience, you don't, you're not clocking the time, like mm-hmm. year came, went, and you know, another year went and, and I was just kind of going through my days. Um, and you know, like nothing was sustainable that I was doing, mm-hmm. right. My, my job back then was unsustainable. I wasn't happy with to the, the things I was doing to cope. And, and I was just kind of going along because I didn't know anything else. Yeah. You're just and, and, stuck in momentum. Yeah. You're just going right. And right. Uh, that's a dangerous place to be because I was trying so hard. Yeah. I think the ambition of that momentum was driven by a need to, fit in to fit in with the joneses oh i got to get that car oh i got the car and i got to maintain the car oh shit i got a uh, a cute girl now i got to like make her happy and and then all of that doesn't work so i'm going to drink and i'm going to flirt around with other girls uh-huh. i mean this is not sound any different than a lot of the things that i see these days and even our festival culture mm-hmm. and and i feel like you know that came to a head and, you know, then I strove for something new, even though it was completely foreign and different. It was scary. And then I took the, you know, moved to Colorado. This net abandoned everything that I knew, you know, and I feel like that's exactly kind of like what we're dealing with now. And so I'm, I'm dealing with it, you know, kind of OK. Of course, I fluctuate here and there, but I relate it to scenarios and circumstances that I've already undergone or I've already been through, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, if they don't have that, then that's okay. You know, I'm not going to say it's more difficult for them, but you know, I rest in the fact that there have been more difficult things done, and you know, there have been things like this that have happened already mm-hmm. that inspire us. You know, social reformation from Martin Luther King's time to you know, like things Vietnam War, uh, you know, the atrocities that those communities probably dealt with. You know, I, I, those people survived japan and hiroshima you know saying we can get through this and and it hasn't been as difficult as certain situations you know and i'm not saying i'm not trying to admit it is difficult but um you know there aren't being bombs dropped over our heads you know people are at home comfortable and Mm -hmm. are being met you know people are are not going hungry you know so it's as easy as it could get for us. Yeah, if you're going to go through the shit, it's not devastating. Yeah, I'm looking around like, fuck, we got it made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, a, it's like a slap on the wrist or something rather than like a real punishment. It's like a slap on the wrist uh, rather yeah. than like a real punishment. Yeah. Yeah. I can go to Starbucks and get some coffee if I want to. Right now. <laughs> yeah. There's well, no you, you know what's really crazy is I was actually talking with friends that are living in New York City right now, and I think mm-hmm. they, their experience of this is way different. Totally. Yeah. They're yeah. all in like their apartments are like prisons. Nobody's there's no cars on the streets. There's nobody out. All you do is like go out to get food, and that's it. Whereas out here, at least we have some space, and we can you can go for a walk or a hike if you want to. And yeah. Yeah, hopefully it won't get that bad out here or in in other places. Um, just it's cool because like we can all be 
small heroes in our own way by uh by just like following social distancing and i mean it was really hard for for us to make the call to do this on skype even because mm-hmm. we thought yeah. you know like ah, it's just like our buddies they seem fine but um, <laughs> you know like the whole like asymptomatic thing and um and not showing, even if you do have it, you might not show symptoms until like 14 days afterwards and all that stuff. You just have to factor all this new information into your thinking while also learning how to switch your identity from me, 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 me to oh, maybe I should act in a way that is is going to benefit others. And, mm. you know, there's a lot of unknowns to that, too. But, um, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. I, I, yeah. I just realized I've been considering other people's health a lot and I don't typically do that. I'm typically rather self-motivated, even though I'm a nice person, I'm not really think yeah. I'm not really thinking of strangers health. Right. So that's interesting. It's like, sh- yeah, that's shifting, cool. Kind of sh- like, yeah, that's a good point. I think. Yeah. It's sort of, sort of. Yeah, you know, it's not forcing people, but that's a good perspective. It's just, you know, kind of um, cultivating empathy in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we're, you know, everybody was, you know, and to a certain degree, of course, we're all nice people and we show a little level of empathy. But this is a whole new level of empathy that, that uh, you know, kind of unifies us now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested like what kind of art is going to come out of this experience? I think for personally, I feel like I'm still digesting whatever the hell is going on and I'm having a hard time making art right now. Really? I don't know about you guys, but it, it's got, well, you know, it's crazy that you say that because I feel like most of the art that was coming out, let's just say in the visionary art genre and stuff like that in the past 10 years, almost, created this sense of hope for people at this time yeah you know what i'm saying because like you know i'm still working at threda and it almost seems like we're just as busy if not busier than ever Mm -hmm. because people are so like latching onto the art as a means of inspiration and hope and so it's so amazing that this has been going on already and it's like didn't get started now Mm -hmm. that people can look at the, the stuff that we've been doing and realize that we've been creating portals um, um, that could really, uh, you know, help us. The visual aid can can allow us to tap into deeper states during this time. Totally. You know, amazing thing. Hell yeah. Yeah, all that visionary art you stocked up on in the past decade is, yeah, yes. it makes you feel cozy and at home, yeah, yeah and get out of your own shit for a little bit, you know? Brighten, totally. Brighten totally. up your space. Yeah. Have you been making a lot of art in the past few uh, weeks? I I have. I I've realized that you know before all of this happened, I was um all over the place trying to do events and um you know, I was kind of doing like events twice a week and the most random like after parties and cool little things here and there and I got uh you know, it robbed me of my studio time. Mm-hmm. And um, now I'm sitting at home going, okay, well, now why? Because that's a thrill, you know, to go from one event to the next and then you meet all the cool people and you just want to keep going. And it just became months of me doing that. And now it's just like, cool, I'm just going to sit home and do this. Hell yeah. Um, 
but uh yeah I, I guess i it's forced me to sit down in the chair and, and kind of just like finish work that has been sitting around forever and i do have a ton of paintings just like all over the place that need to get finished you know and so hopefully by all of this when this is done then i'd have you know kind of a more built-up portfolio hell yeah and you're gonna need a solo show as soon as we can get groups back together yeah <laughs> Cool. You know, I shoot, I don't have enough work right now, but God, it's, it takes me forever. I'm trying to like get faster at painting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I feel like the, my friends I know that paint slow, they all want to paint fast. And then I paint really fast and I want to slow myself down. It's like, <laughs> I feel like we're always just whatever. <laughs> we always just want to not be doing what we're doing or that, something. That's why I like painting with other people. Mm, yeah, yeah. it's especially when you get group settings going on then you can kind of just vibe off everyone yeah totally right yeah so as far as your artwork goes and your paintings uh do you have maybe like a specific mission or something that you're trying to portray through your art uh you know and i don't want to seem uh over the top or you know any kind of like like I'm some kind of guru, but I've always, you know, Noble Arts Project was always just me being transparent about sharing my own journey. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like my, my journey through this is so relatable to what other people are, are, are doing now as far as like finding uh, their identity or their self-image and uh, how they're going to contribute that um, to community mm -hmm. that's not solely driven out of vanity like oh this is me look at me look at me but like mm -hmm. you know just um you know people want to contribute i feel like the innate purpose of any like beings or individual is to somehow be received they people want to be received for something that they create mm -hmm. you know told like hey you did that wow amazing that's a great job you know it's an amazing feeling to receive those accolades oh yeah you know, I think that that's ultimately what a lot of people are doing. You see a lot of young entrepreneurs in Colorado and, and just even our small like, you know, uh, scene is like, or let's just say the festival culture. Uh, there's so many people that are into different things from flow arts to, you know, painting to dance, music. And uh, that's a beautiful thing, mm -hmm. right? In fact, I think that Colorado creates a good theater for that where everyone's given an opportunity to do something more and to share with the community. The community is so receptive to that. Yeah, it's like, oh, you do something cool? Jump on in, you know? Yeah. Uh -huh. It reminds me it reminds me of the plur days and the rave days in in the 90s it was like that because mm -hmm. it was truly counterculture back then it wasn't like we had social media to show off what we were doing it polaroids and stuff like yeah. that right? yeah or the people doing what they're doing from like breakdancing to djing to graffiti because that's what how we saw each other that was our culture mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and that's what i feel like it is now Right. Um, with a little amplification of vanity, of course. <laughs> even that will, will, will taper off and it'll just become pure expression. Yeah. I think because mm -hmm. it's still a young movement, mm -hmm. you know, and it's of like, course, new, I mean, yeah. And like people, so, you know, like people forming new identities in a new culture, you probably want to like yeah. flex a little bit. Cause you're like, this is who I am. But then exactly. you get over that shit too, you know? You're just like, I'm just a person, whatever. <laughs> well, 
and it's all good you know like um but yeah, yeah. It's where were we at? I forgot. Where I forget. Going, but... I just derailed that. Sorry. John just asked you about your purpose. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but but so you know, it's because what we do is inspirational to people, you know. And um, you guys, we all live paint and stuff, and it's really amazing all the people that line up to talk to us, and you know, you, you get a lot of the. I I think it's. To me, what I've analyzed is that it's not more the technique sometimes. There's hidden layers to the inspiration. It's like, how the fuck do you devote the time to do such a thing? Because people are so pulled from here to there. We live in such a provocative culture that, you know, the sheer concept of sitting down to accomplish a thing in great details escapes people, you know, and so – the admiration of of witnessing that, especially in a, the process of a live painting process, is almost like holy shit, man! Like you're doing that, mm-hmm. you know. That you know to expose yourself in a vulnerable position like that to invoke inspiration from people is definitely admirable. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Super cool. Yeah, because yeah, I suppose a lot of people, especially with technology now, you're just spending your day like oh looking at Instagram now I'm looking at Facebook now sending a text and it's all these like temporary non-committal things. Maybe you go to a a job you're not really into. And then to see somebody put their life's energy and their time, you know, dedicating a year's worth of work onto this one canvas. It's it, it shows you there's another way of being of not just this ADD, like dopamine hit this, that, this, that, Mm-hmm. Sure. And it's a peaceful you know act, it, you know? You know what it exposes? It exposes, you know, w- what in our culture is, it's like there's not a lot of talk about devotion mm-hmm. and what we sacrifice in our daily lives to what we're devoted as. And you can see, like, look, personally for me, I've before I was doing art, I found myself in cycles um, being devoted to certain things that would rob me truly of my potential. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, when I say, like, say women i'm not saying that women deprive me of my power i'm saying that i devoted so much of myself to pleasing other people including my intimate partners yeah that um you know i went from cycles of cycles of like oh why did that happen how did that happen like next time i'll do it better and then you know all my 20s was just me like being from one relationship to the next and that's uh, an admirable devotion too you know what i'm saying if some people like want that then of course so be it they have families and you know families also uh, having children that's a source of devotion right and some people don't want that so then you have to like steer yourself to something else and some people would devote themselves to just you know like good times and drugs and alcohol no judgment that you know and i've tried it all Mm -hmm. and you know now this is kind of what i'm devoted to because honestly you know it has given me far more, far more reaching results in my life than anything that I've tried thus far. And mm-hmm. so that's really, so into it is because it's given me back more so than anything that I've tried, oh, yeah. you know, and right. Yeah. Your whole world opens up, right. You know, if you're, if you're just chasing sense gratification, you'll get those dopamine hits, but shit gets yeah. squirrely and weird, you know? It's like we all flirt with that in different ways. But you find if you really devote your time to creativity and to creating this gift, you know, it's self-fulfilling. But it's also a gift for the world as well. And 
Right. There's some form of like selflessness in it. And yeah, it's amazing how your whole life in every aspect radically changes when you mm-hmm. devote your time to, I don't know, ex- an expression of love, expression of creativity. You know, right. that's a good point. You, 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 that, that is a very important thing, I think, in, in, in during these times, too, is that if people are stuck trying to figure out what can I do, if they're holed up in their house or in this quarantine and they're trying to, you know, figure out the next move or how they can maintain, you know, their current standards, what they have and what they know and how they move forward with that, you know, to open up more options, I think a little bit of sprinkling of unconditional in there in whatever intention that people have opens up so much you know like as my art goes you know the reason why it's 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 kind of been so organic and and an easy process for me to like establish myself is because i truly have you know this the strong integrity to abide by how do i reach and touch people with my own story Mm -hmm. and i feel Mm. That uh, has had far more impact in 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 the community than than me trying to be like, how do I look fucking cool to show that I am yeah, right. Yeah. Which, there's a little bit of that here and there too. Like I said, ego flexing, but truly, what's driven it more was like there's you know we can veritably say our society is suffering from unregistered trauma or mm. w- without the lack of actual teachers that show us an emotionally intelligent way to navigate through the shit that we're dealing with as a culture, you know? Um, and so it, it, it almost seems like if people idolize an individual for what they're creating, there's a social responsibility entailed to like uplift people because no one else is doing it. Exactly. Right? So have yeah. failed. Religious sects have failed us. Our politicians, politicians have failed us. So who the fuck do we have next? Even our yeah. elders, you know, and our parents, you know, we we almost kind of rode their ignorance or their not knowing um, to create what we have now. And no judgment on them. They only gave us what they knew. Mm-hmm. But we should have different standards for ourselves, not repeat the same old shit. Exactly. You know, and so yeah. Better way to do that than than the the people that are idolized in the culture for for expression, you know, to step forward and say, you know, share something more. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, and it's that idea: if you want to change the world, start with yourself. So, yeah. and you're working with yourself and dedicating your life life to creativity, and you're being um, transparent. You're sharing your path. You're being vulnerable, and you're and that's an invitation for other people to share their paths and be vulnerable. And then the, the stuff we're holding in the dark, we can, we can bring it into the light and work with it together and share with each yeah. other and grow and heal each other, you know? Yeah. It's, it's very practical. You know, I think that, uh, perhaps, you know, when we talk about such things, there, there's even propensities, before this, the whole pandemic happened, there was, I, I was witnessing this kind of strange satirical perspective of talks like this, you know, where people are like, it's like woo or like new yeah. age. Or but when, you, when we talk about it in, in, in a very practical sense, you see that that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. There, there's a, a tangible impact. Exactly. Right? When we do such things, it, uh, the self-reformation uh, and transformation uh, it, it truly has deep impact as a whole. Mm-hmm. Saying so, right. yeah, it really does. It, it, it's like you know, 
people can joke about whatever they want to joke about, but it's like, we're not just talking, we're actually doing it and seeing results occur. You know, it's not just like flowery, like, yeah, you, yeah. you know, so it's like, I think woo woo is dope, but it's like, if you, if you can integrate that shit, you know, it's like, get as far out as you want, but if you can actually try it out and, and your life changes and the world changes around you, hell yeah, man, go for it. Fucking be a yeah. weirdo, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, th I think the, <laughs> the point is when you work on yourself, um, you're going to affect everything, not just yourself. You're going to affect mm -hmm. people around you. And, uh, you know, intention is pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. And if people are picking up on that and even changing a little bit of, of their, you know, schema towards life, I think that that's beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. In a positive way, of course. You know, sometimes people could, when people come up to you while you're live painting and they're like, I could never do that. And you're like, yeah, you can actually. <laughs> yeah. I think that's like, you know, who knows what that guy or girl did when they ran off um, into the crowd for the rest of that show. But right. you hope it was something better. You know, you hope you gave them a different perspective. But I think that like anyone who's, whose mind is, is open enough, will try and integrate all the perspectives they've, uh, you know, that someone or, or the world has shared with them and try and synthesize a new thing. I think that's what we do is we take in information and hopefully perspectives. And it doesn't have to be every single little claim or, or vision or, or way of seeing things, but I think it's important to stay open enough to other ideas to at least consider them, run them through your own, you know, reality test. And if they work for you, that's great. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, yeah, I think that it, it definitely starts with like working, like seeing where one is falling short in themselves and then improving that. Because, you know, you can't just, you're not, you can't just change the world by making a painting. You have to be changing yourself while making the painting. And that's, you know, they say, people say like the world is contained within you, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, in that sense, you're changing your own consciousness and everything that you experience happens within there. So... Maybe you are changing the world. I don't know. <laughs> you know. It's exciting that you say that because, you know, I, I hear stuff like, you know, from from different um, traditions, right? Native traditions, indigenous traditions I read about. And, you know, even some elders I know tell me about stuff like, like the prophecies of the rainbow children and the indigo children, you know, the children of the Western cultures. And, and it sounds fantastic, you know, but you get to look at the, the reality of this. I feel that there are no galactic federation Palladians coming from the skies or gurus from the mystical East coming this time around. Mm -hmm. I feel like, the, because, for instance, if I feel like if there was aliens that come from the sky, we would probably raise pitchforks and kill. 
<laughs> or we complete like uh, non-belief if uh, Sage came in from Nazareth and was just like, I'm here to save you. We'd probably be like, whatever. And so the like, only tangible... <laughs> What's like, we've all seen that Osho documentary. Like, get out <laughs> We were like, whatever. We're not, you know, we just take your ass back. But <laughs> I think What's more palpable these days is to witness your own peers or brothers and sisters and neighbors that have come from the same deception and bullshit and betrayal that we've all endured together, mm-hmm. you know, in Western culture, you know, and then to see people rise above that to a new standard. When you witness that, that is way more felt, you know, mm-hmm. um, relatable. And oh, yeah. so I feel like there's there's, there's no, nothing coming from an outside if people are waiting and looking to the skies. Yeah, you know, that, yeah, that we we will be the ones to walk forward because that's the most efficient way that it'll work mm-hmm. this way. And I feel like there's a lot of elders and a lot of people behind the scenes that have been praying for that. What is the most um, way that this will unfold? And I'm sure they've prayed for this outcome, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, witness to to that because um like i said we won't get help this time around you know and i feel like uh, we, we we'll have to kind of like walk out of this together hold each other's hands yeah. yeah yeah it's like this this level playing ground coming into effect where it's like yeah we don't, we're not going to look up to somebody and we're not going to put somebody up on a pedestal and be like you're going to oh. tell us what to do it's like no we all are starting to recognize each other is the same. We're all experiencing the same pain and joy, light and dark. And we're all, we can all hold hands together and realize everybody on the earth is your brother and sister and we can do it together instead of waiting, waiting for something to save us or. And we had the huge groundbreaking, um, foundation of teachings for centuries from these people like we're prepared for this all the way to, from from technatahan to you know all the sages in the past that that are still talked about after three to four thousand years later yeah yeah and and then and then to modern you know gurus on youtube from greg braden to david ike to joe dispenza and, and and all of the the people that guy in tv like interview they come out with some groundbreaking things mm-hmm. that uh, are giving us the tools exactly you know what I'm saying? that that it almost see started being viewed as satirical like pseudoscience but like i guarantee you during times of stress like this how those things will be so applicable and will be keys to our survival. Exactly. Totally. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, you know, give it, let's give it another two or three years, but eventually we'll just be all walking around among Buddhas and wise sages, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I like that you say that it's such a short time because it is exponential like that. Yeah. Who knows? You know, will happen where it'll just be a click, you know, because I think we've already hit a critical mass of knowing the information through knowledge base and, and logic and reason. And the only thing that has been missing into the piece of this, is this whole puzzle is an emotional intelligence that can't be spoken about an interpersonal uh-huh. thing that everyone has a very, you know, interpersonal experience, but that will fit in like a glove exactly. to all the logic and reason to that. Oh, I already know that structured water, 528 Hertz, cymatics, all that is just seems redundant to speak about. Now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And so now the, the practical emotional application of that now will, you know, come into play. Hell yeah. This, yeah, this thing we've all kind of been feeling being sensitive kind of starts coming to the forefront and acknowledged and honored and it, and it will lead to, yeah, deeper connection with your neighbor. I'd push back on that a little bit. Um, like, you know, everybody's been saying that we're all going to have this great awakening and we, 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 and, you know, us. I, I, I do think, again, the, like, right locus of attention is understanding your own mind and your own consciousness and how you walk through life. Like, I don't think that, like, I mean, it's a nice thought, John, to say in a couple of years we're all going to be enlightened and <laughs> high five why not every day i keep seeing people evolve all around me constantly yeah but, but yeah <laughs> i just think that's like without like uh you know working on the self you know i, I think it's just a, aren't we all working on ourselves visual thinking I don't know. Are we? I'm sure there's millions of, probably billions of people who really don't give a shit. Right. Like, okay. So from my experience. No, like, that's true. You know, you're right. I, I did. I know. I didn't want to steer the conversation into this degree because I don't want to sound critical or cynical, pessimistic, and all that. But you know, the, you what you say is definitely a reality. We're we're in a reality right now where everything is so divided with radical ideas. And, and you have people that are in that spiritual realm of complete optimism. And then there's some people that are in complete dire straits without any foundation to even conceptualize those things. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, and we're living in the same reality, you know, where anything that you say can trigger someone to say, well, you're full of shit. Like, what are you talking about? Can't you see what's going on? How can you sit there and be all lovey dovey and talk about Tesla coils and, and frequency I, stuff like that? I, when there's I don't think there's anything <laughs> wrong with that to be clear like i don't think there's anything wrong with that i'm just for the sake of furthering the conversation just pushing back on that idea a little bit (laughs) well i think so i i think at least as far as i was speaking it's not like this is going to happen it's like it's optimistic wishful thinking for the world and in that like i'm showing up and i see lots of people around me showing up and i see the world learning how to communicate in more intricate and widespread ways. And I think in, you know, uh, from a perspective of optimism that will lead towards, uh, less ignorance, more understanding that we're connected and an appreciation of each other around the world. You know, I I said two to three years is like a joke. Like, I don't think we're going to be walking around Buddhas in two to three years, but I just, I have a, a deep love in my heart for myself and the world and i'd like to see it go in a positive direction together so that's what i'm pointing towards Uh and i'll I'll share that you know even in my own personal journey from moving to colorado everything i I left behind um you know i was driving around a red beamer and i was just like completely obsessed with my image and the whole thing and then from from then till now was only a short six to seven years yeah you know and i and i look back at that 
that part of my life and I almost laugh because I know that's who I was. Yeah. I was consumed in that role play and that character mm-hmm. to a high degree. And so, uh, you know, when you steer into a different paradigm, it unravels rather quickly. Yeah. And, and it almost seems like you leave behind so much. So if I can veritably witness that in my own life, it's not far fetched for me to see society unravel in the same direction and I, in exactly. fact in in the same time here in colorado the types of people that i've magnetized in my circle such as you guys um you know has grown just as exponentially mm-hmm. and so you know, it's definitely not far-fetched and we're not going to say that you know when all this normalizes they're going to start erecting pyramids and all kinds of stuff and <laughs> the whole society will be different i mean there's going to be a slow kind of uh, you know, a thing of like blending into the something higher. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's even, you know, like, uh, individually and collectively, like, uh, before you kind of started on your path of kind of, you know, I don't know if you call it like waking up or a new realization, new paradigm for your life that when you were kind of, you know, in quotes off track, you were actually building up data of, you were understanding this dark side of yourself and moving through that and building up tension. Like in a way I kind of see it as like, you're never not doing the work. Even if you were in the Beamer and you're obsessed with your image, you had, you had to get that out of your system to be who you are now. (laughs) Right. I do have to add that, you know, when I did move here, the first year that I was here, I somehow ended up, uh, living in a monastery, a Buddhist monastery for, for like 12 months. Damn. Wow. And so that, that huh? Where, where in uh, Colorado was it? Okay. So the, the, the name of the monastery is called compassionate Dharma cloud monastery. So CDC and like Google maps it, but it's (laughs) like 15 minutes from red rocks up to 85. It's right, right off the highway. And so the lineage of this monastery is actually Thich Nhat Hanh's lineage. So one of the monks from Plum Village graduated and he found a monastery up there. He's been building it for like, what, seven plus years now. But when I when I moved out here, I had a really bad falling out with the guys I moved out with. And they were either like, you know, you move back to Florida if you don't like it here. And I was just like, shit, I don't want to move back to Florida. So I I was kind of escaping at that monastery just to get away from the house. And mm-hmm. I would and I would like you guys know what Dragon Slash is, right? For like tree mitigation. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was I was kind of helping doing landscaping and Dragon Slash there, like you know once a week or something. So I got acclimated with the place and the people there, including one of the monks. And so I would kind of confide in him and tell him I'm really having a hard time with the guys I'm living with, this and that, and this and that. And so after a few months, he was just like you, you know, with broken English, he's like you just move move in monastery. I'm like okay, I guess that's my other option. Well, my own option. And so I ended up packing all my shit from the house and, and, and moving into that place. And so, you know, a lot of people see that I, my, a lot of my art is driven with spiritual symbolism, mystical symbolism. And I feel like a lot of that foundation was born from that monster because I stayed there for 12 months, you know, and kind of for the first uh, three months, I actually voraciously woke up every day with them and lived and practiced like how they lived. And it, I lasted only a few months because then I realized, I was like, I, this is not who I am. Mm. You know, that's the a huge level of dedication. And I was, by that time, I was 30 years old with a shit ton of conditioning from Western culture that I couldn't abandon. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just so galvanized in my character that it was just hard for me to just 
cut my hair off and be a monk. Yeah. Um, those doing that since they were like nine, probably. Mm. You know? And and I'll tell you, I had never seen such superhuman attributes from people that can dedicate that much time to thinking like that, like in a deep meditative state. And, and to, to witness what they're capable of truly was like uh, fascinating. What, you know? what was that intense three months like? Like what was your daily practice? Oh, okay, so we, they would wake up at like, five thirty, five o'clock in the morning. Um, and, and, you know, hygiene, brush your teeth and stuff. And then I would meet them at the, this like prayer hall where they were all meditating. And it was, I think four or five monks at the time. And I would just sit in the back while they were like in a row chanting. And I would just kind of sit there and watch them. And then after a while I started chanting, like I, they gave me a book and I would just read along and chant with them. Um, but yeah, every morning I would see that the abbot who was like the head monk, he would be outside of his window watching the sun come up, praying with his beads, literally p- praying for the whole universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Hell yeah. Every morning praying for, for that. It's, it's a practice in unconditional intent. Mm-hmm. Right. But he had been doing that for so long. I mean, it was just nothing to him. He was just, you know, and I would just sit there sometimes walking to the bathroom to brush my teeth, like looking at him like, holy shit, that's <laughs> amazing. Like who does that? It's you know, beautiful. yeah, it's it kind of, it's kind of like created the foundation of my work now, because even though I don't live like a monastic uh, person, you know, I, I kind of all, a lot of my principles and foundations are based on that because it was so impactful in my life. In fact, it, like it's what veritably saved me from not really knowing what I was doing out here. You know, I was still kind of right. riddled with this anxiety of like, I just left all my shit in Florida. I have no money to get back home. And like, what do I do? I'm stuck, mm-hmm. you know? It's like really scary, you know? I was, and then, and then being in a monastery, I kind of just had to literally surrender because I almost felt like I was being used there at one point because uh, when I started living there, I was in a work-based scenario and that monk was working me like a fucking dog. (laughs) (laughs) It felt like karate kid shit where I was just like, you just, I did. did, At one point I said something to him. He just looked at me. He's like, keep shoveling. (laughs) So, so that's a, that's the Zen school, right? There is Zen school, Tignan Han Zen, right? I, I think they they uh, consider themselves engaged Buddhism is what it's more than I think the Zen is a, a an aspect of it, but they don't concentrate more on Zen. They say engaged Buddhism because this is the lineage of monks when the Vietnam War was happening and they were spraying Agent Orange and killing all the people in the villages. Yeah, these monks would have to run down the hill and take care of everyone. Yeah. And that's the same monks that were burning themselves on fire. The right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like um, engaged Buddhism was them like really having to apply their philosophy into the most chaotic and atrocious circumstance. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, that particular lineage found its way here in the mouth of the canyon, like fucking crazy and it's it's like a fairy tale you guys gotta visit this place you know yeah, and i spent the, the good year of my life there helping them build it wow um i had no really no idea what i was doing there at the time you know and like i said i was just kind of like at my wits end going well fuck this is where i'm at and uh, i had no idea truly that it was going to be so impactful even in my life 
you know it's badass dude that's really cool man the same year the 12 months that i spent in afghanistan dealing with all that it i spent 12 months in the monastery so it almost kind of eradicated the karma (laughs) it's like two sides of the yeah that's wild man you've had such interesting intense experiences you've had such radical ups and downs lefts and rights of integration with reality Ah, just the same as every American, though. (laughs) If you hear people's stories, man, it's like that. It's like, damn, you did all that? (laughs) (laughs) It is true. Yeah, it is funny. Like, as you start getting older, how you look back at your life and how many distinct phases you've gone through. And all these different, all these different lessons contained in each part of the path. And, uh. It seems like, you know, over time you start kind of weaving all these experiences together and getting a broader picture of what's going on, but still more confused than ever. <laughs> yeah, I know. We got yeah. this, though. Yeah. the picture, the more holes can be found in it, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, this is, this is um, I, I feel like, you know, people are going to have to dig deep like that and realize, you know, that that's called, you know, we we're talking about personal accountability, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you weave through your story and you recognize that everything that you've done will give you the tools to move forward now. And, you know, you have to have the personal accountability there to recognize, okay, you know, this happened and that happened. Shit, I shouldn't have done that and I should have done this. But, you know, you move beyond cycles of shame and guilt mm-hmm. and the next paradigm on the other side is just gratefulness. You're like, man, I'm so glad I fucking did that. And I'm so glad I started doing that, that it led me to this. And I talked to this person and your life then is away from cycles of shame and guilt. And it's just completely synchronistic gratitude. Totally. And that's the, what's, you know, we're, we're looking forward here. If people can muster and imagine that, um, reality you know that's that's what's to come hell yeah how you um what kind of stuff do you like to do outside of art shit i i do i i play the drums you know i i i work out a lot still i uh just given a puppy look at this you got a puppy oh my god oh dude Oh. That puppy was given to me uh, about three weeks ago. Wow. Nice. You got your little quarantine buddy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so she's, she's definitely taken a lot of my time um, trying to take care of her. Mm-hmm. So, and her, her, her name's Lumiere, which means in French light. So she has right. been kind of a guiding emotional light. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Super cool. <laughs> And yeah, then I can't remember in French too. It's really funny. You what? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's all I'm teaching like her sit and you know, come here and all that in French. So it's, it's I'll add a little bit more uh of a unique experience for me to teach her. <laughs> so you you know French? Oh I'm learning French. Too. Oh you're learning while okay, got you. <laughs> to to fit with the dog's name, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, so, you know, I'm from, I'm from New Orleans, too, so I kind of grew up with a little, you know, uh, ghetto French Creole. So, 
I'm curious about New Orleans now that you mentioned it. Did you were you ever old enough to like frequent all the cool jazz clubs and, and yeah. music venues down there? Oh, totally, man. I when I grew up in New Orleans, I was in high school, so I was just getting into you know psychedelics and smoking weed and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I and, uh, it, it was a fun time in '95, '96. I was really involved in like the the rave culture back then, mm-hmm. and that. Uh, this, this place that you know they had tipper perform at the sanger theater but they had this place back then on canal street not too far from sanger is called uh, the state palace theater we, they were throwing banger rave parties in 95 <laughs> <laughs> just getting into you know the whole drug culture and it literally expanded my mind because i knew none of that mm-hmm. you know right. i'm kind of a straight lace kid um and so sure enough, you know, there was there's a lot of hanging out on Bourbon Street to going to all the, the jazz bars. And I'd never forget about New Orleans. You could walk because it's this, the town that doesn't sleep. You know, it just stays open 24 seven. People are drinking like five, four o'clock in the morning. And you walk through, you know, downtown French Quarter and just hear billowing and, and echoing in the streets, some dude, some homeless guy just like wailing on a guitar mm. and some homeless guy in the background, like on a saxophone. And that's how it was. It was just like music, like jazz music in the streets from these homeless people, like playing, just yeah. echoing everything. Never forget that about that city. It's so charismatic. Yeah. I I went there a few years ago and it, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was just like a constant celebration. Like, and it, it, I like, I felt so much joy being there everywhere you go. You're just hearing music and people, are, there's art everywhere. And yeah, it was a fun place to be. I kind of I got, you know, li- living there or growing up there in high school, like I needed an out from that. Cause I found myself drinking at a young age, obviously, cause the town is just like constant drinking and partying That's and, right. and, and I, you know, from like 14, 15, all the way to 19, I found myself kind of in that cycle. And so it, it forced me to like venture off and do something new. Like I knew I couldn't just possibly stay there and do that. Um, yeah. But you're right. Visit, you know, it's truly a wild ride. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some dank food too. They got some of yeah. the best food ever. <laughs> so, uh, as far as your art goes and everything, um, do you have any uh, like visions of kind of where you would like to take it or any sort of projects you dreaming of or anything like that? Ah, uh, you know, and I mean, it's been such a fast, uh, ride. Uh, you know, it's so new, even from my creative process, like four years is hard, like a blink of an eye. Yeah. You're a little and baby. I feel, uh, yeah. I should just be grateful to continue on with what I'm doing. Uh, I don't want to be like, you know, Icarus burning up too close to the sun and being mm. like, oh shit. I think there's, you know, there's definitely uh, an air of, of establishing some kind of longevity in any culture or scene is just a uh, uh, steady pace and enshrouding yourself in a little bit of a mystery Yeah, to not lose too much at once. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, there's kind of this, this propensity for people to, you know, just get exhausted from it and throw it away and just be like, ah, I've seen that already. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I, I, I definitely want to uh, grow in an organic way to share my journey that people can kind of digest it along with their journey. Mm. So that it becomes a journey with people around me, kind of like um, storytelling oh, yeah. with 
And uh, <clears throat> that that is kind of primary. My, my primary goal is to do that. It's just just grow the art and the intentions and the ideas with culture. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Sounds like a beautiful mission to me. <laughs> yeah. There's always the danger, uh, whether you're like an artist or musician or whoever, uh, of oversaturation. I don't think that gets talked about enough. Totally. Because, uh, like, you know, we're, I don't know about you guys, but I'm under the impression that, you know, you should be posting on Instagram every day and just like, yeah. you know, doing your thing and making sure that no one forgets about you. But I think that there's like the other, the flip side of that is, is you can, you can share too much or you can, you know, just, I don't know, oversaturate yourself. There's definitely a grace for to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like the the grace aspect, I think is is kind of underlined by your your intention because you know th- there's I've seen this this like propensity in people in creative processes as soon as they are enamored and catapulted into the forefront of society through admiration because of what they're creating. There's always this trap of the first level of it is vanity. Mm. And of course, then, you know, you consume yourself in that. Then, then it starts to show up in the shadow aspect of oversaturating and people can almost feel it like, oh, this person is just trying to get more attention. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's there's a subtle uh, grace about truly sharing your work. And I guess that has to do with like somebody, you know, your own personal attention. Like uh, mm-hmm. if you're truly speaking and sharing from the heart. Um, it can be felt just the same way as, as a vanity mm-hmm. expression. Right. Totally. And I, I don't know, what do you think, Andrew? Like to. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's hard to, to put all that into, to words because, uh, yeah, I guess it, it, part of its intention, but then, you know, if, if, you find something that works, you know, works, let's say like, and you just kind of repeat the same thing over and over again. You do, you run the risk. I'm not saying that it will definitely happen, but you run the risk of people kind of getting a little too used to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know, that's, that's just me talking and like, you know, I don't really know shit also. (laughs) Really admit that. It's but. interesting you say that. I feel like a lot of people don't actuate their potential to self-express, especially in a level to be seen by community because of fear of this thing. Like, how am I going to continue? Uh, there are no parameters for that, right? You almost every individual just jumps into. Uh, like let's just say live painting, like, oh, I want to be a live painter. And it jumps into that without really guidelines of like how to carry the momentum. And of course, there's already fear-based notions in the beginning. Like what if I'm I'm criticized to the degree that I fail down the road? And that's complete heartbreak that even the sheer thought of that is enough for someone to not do it. Like, oh, fuck it. People dim their flames just for a you know notion of that okay and so yeah but you know and i think when you jump into it and you just do it um 
you know, you adapt, mm-hmm. right? There's an adaptability of just like maintaining um, your image, uh, so to speak. And yeah, it's definitely an art in and of itself is to right, yeah. longevity. Yeah. Right? Reinventing yourself that, you know, uh, you're not boring the fuck out of you. <laughs> or, or boring yourself, you know. I think that that's the more important thing. It's just to keep yourself interested too, you know. So yeah, I've had friends who, at times, have just been like over it, you know. Yeah. And you're, you you see them and they're like kind of suffering for it, and you want to be like, oh come on, man, like you know, yeah, we love what you do, and. So there's there's that too. You have to simultaneously be completely self-aware, but also aware of you know how people are receiving your work. And the cool thing now is we do get at least some sort of feedback through things like Instagram and and Facebook and and the like. So <clears throat> now I, I have to add that. You know, there's a, a good checks and balances to keep to keep your your levels high about it. You know what I'm saying? Because I've I've seen I've been around painters too that have been super low about where they're at, and you know, there's just a lot of margins for comparison that create a, a nice fertile ground for uh, oh, you know, nothing is good enough, and uh, you know, and then I guess that you can for me personally, I've had to keep my intentions on a very unconditional level to, to not set myself up with traps like that. Okay. Right. Because I missed it. And I feel like if I say, if I start to delve into comparison thinking like my work, you know, against this person, or I need to fit this parameter or this and that, this and that, then of course down the road, I'll, I'll be in a fickle position. Mm-hmm. But if right. I keep, um, just having admiration for people's work, being grateful for where I'm at, and then and then have this contribution to humanity and let's just say conscious evolution, this and that, these larger than life intentions. It keeps me liberated from falling into, you know, doom and gloom situations with my own personal endeavors. Hell yeah! Yeah, sure. well, yeah. Like- you can only compare who, like, you can only compare with your own self, right? Like. You can only compare yourself today with who you were yesterday, and it doesn't really help to compare yourself with others. Yeah, and it's and it's difficult, you know, because like we have social media, and that could be a benefit, and at the same time, it could be uh, a, a huge like uh, pressure to uh, appease everyone. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's detachment where you have to say, "I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks." Right. I, yeah. Me, but not to that extreme, but a certain level of that where, like, you can't please everyone, and it doesn't matter, you know what I'm saying? Like, you just have to you know, beat, you know, what is it, strum with the beat of your own drums? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I was like, I was scrolling through uh, Instagram the other day, and it was like, you know, I realized it's like, I'll never be the most detailed artist, I'll never have the best color palettes, I'll never be the best at figure. There's always going to be somebody better. At any aspect of what you do, no matter how good you are, but nobody can ever be you. Like exactly, like you are a unique re- expression, and like all you have to do is be yourself, and then yeah. you're golden, and then you share that, and that's the thing that I think people really feel and love. Right, exactly. You know, and the the technique and shit like that. That's just like 
that's extra like, you know, toppings on it, but it's really, it's like, can you honestly and earnestly express yourself? Style. Yeah. Yeah. That's number one. Right. Everyone has to develop technique and learn a technique, but style is like, everyone has a different style. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, yeah. It kind of goes back to just like, you know, being true to yourself and, and being honest about where you're out and working to get better. And if you, you know, maybe you want to learn a bunch of new techniques or like learn how to paint like someone from the Renaissance or whatever, or maybe you don't. And that is being true to you, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's really what it's all about. There's actually someone who messaged me just a couple days ago on Instagram and they were like, can you tell me how to paint like you? <laughs> I let it sit there for about a day. And then like, I was, I was like, you know, pretty stoned one night at like one in the morning, two in the morning or something. And I decided to get real, like, you know, like eloquent. I was, I said something along the lines of like, no one can paint like me and no one can paint like you. You should just paint like you. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think it was in a haiku or something. I don't know. But. <laughs> or you could, or you could skin Andrew and put his skin over your body and <laughs> assume it, <laughs> steal and, and his essence. Just claim that this is your new style, and it's. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a ballsy question, you know. To DM somebody and be like, "Yo, can you teach me how to paint like you? Like, <laughs> how do you respond? It's so well, elaborate." It, that's why I let it sit there for a while. And like, I think after a night of painting, I happened to just look at it again and I was just in the right mind state and I, you know, dropped this whole eloquent thing that I can't remember. And I don't think I have my phone around me right now. So I, and I won't bore you, but like, yeah. you know, it, it was, I thought it was pretty top notch. Cause I was like, you know, you just paint like you paint and that's the real shit, you know? Yeah. I said it way cooler than that. So be yourselves, guys. Have you thought about teaching paint, like art, and and have you guys ever thought thought about doing that? John's done it, I think, more than me. Um, I've thought about it at one point before the whole quarantine thing. I had written a few things down in terms of, like, how I would go about it. And, you know, like, because just as we were talking about, like, everyone has their own style and their own different take on it. And my typical thing is to just kind of like poke around in some blobby ether color (laughs) value or whatever until something cool comes out. Um, But I, you know, I'm sure there's a way to teach that, that I'm not really, uh, that I haven't discovered yet, but could, I could put words and slides and, you know, funny little yeah. jokes yeah. into it. Yeah, it's know? almost like teaching a workshop. It's like the people that sign up, they dig your art. So it's basically like they're just going to hop into your world for right. a day or a few days. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. it, some of it's technique and some of it's just how do you think and how do you orient with reality. And that could be a great teaching right. for people just beyond technique sure. itself, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more to, to art as we've kind of touched on then, then just like putting paint on a brush and then on a canvas, mm-hmm. you know, I think I, you know, I think that that's why 
like any success we've had with this podcast. And that's a big reason because we're not, you know, we don't really focus too much on business or very little even on technique. And so, but I, I think we talk about all the things that add up to what makes an artist or what makes, you know, the bigger bubble of art. So yeah, there's a lot there. Like you were saying, John, like someone just come take a dive into your process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's so cool. And we'd have these conversations like we're having this one with you, Chris. And it's like, holy shit, I didn't know anything about your life. It's like, wow, you've had a crazier path than I realized, you know? <laughs> and it, and it's yeah. cool because it, it opens up another potential of human beings that I didn't realize was there yet. You know, like you could be in the army and go to Afghanistan, then live in a monastery and now make killer paintings and work at Threda. And it's like, that's it. You know, it's like an interesting path that I never even considered. I think that's cool. And, you know, and there's probably somebody else out there that maybe finds themselves in a similar situation that you've been in. And they had no idea that like, oh, I could, I could move in this direction with where I am. And I think that's really cool. And it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, oh, if you could give your younger self some advice, what would it be? Well, um, <laughs> shit, you know, it's I, for as long as I've lived, I, when I was a young kid, I'd always wanted to be an artist. So I guess I would touch base with that younger version of me and be like, you're going to do it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Quit fucking around. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I was like in the fourth grade, man. People, you know, teachers asking, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, I'd always envisioned myself somehow doing art. And, and you know, I'm in my 30s and my middle age, you know, I turned 39 this year, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing art and um, freelancing and, and, and working in a fine art gallery. And it all worked out. Hell yeah. You know. Uh, and it's just so mind blowing to me that uh, I had such, uh, you know, foresight even, you know, back then when I was like a young kid, that that's all I ever wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You're so doing it's, um, it. Yeah, it's amazing how it all works out. That's awesome, man. <laughs> I'm happy for you. That's amazing. You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch, right? Like you, you're living your dream. It's awesome. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah it's like uh i pinch myself sometimes i'm like you know definitely in in gratefulness yeah because it was definitely a long hard road to get here and it was completely unscripted you know even still now i feel like i'm a kind of like a leaf blowing in the wind and andrew you're one of the first people i even talked to uh you know being like live painting at sonic bloom Mm -hmm. and like conveying to you how how like amazing it was and i was completely fanboying everybody i was like i can't believe i'm here paid next to you guys and that <laughs> was just like what three short years ago yeah it was like yeah. Sonic three years ago and uh you know now it just uh it's, it hasn't normalized itself i'm still like really kind of elated by it all but um you know definitely uh grateful that i've landed where i'm at because you know it's just uh it's, it's been so organic you know, yeah. it's, I'm just yeah. on so it's, it's awesome. And I do have to thank a lot of people like you and Steven Cruz, you know, that you, you guys were so supportive and kind, 
um, during those times where everything was so like new to me. And, um, you know, of course there's, there's a lot of fear still in that, like a lot of anxiety you're out in the open and, and people are like, who the fuck is this guy? Why is he painting here with these people? Kind of a insecurity about it in my head. And you always tell me, be like, that's not going on, man. It's, you know, you got this. And so I really leaned on a lot of that support, uh, from you guys, uh, in those formidable years. So yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, well, you're always a joy to have around. You you bring big <laughs> brightness and big positive energy and tons of smiles and good times. Oh, wherever yeah. You so yeah, man, I think that that's, that's key. You know, if, if you're having, if you're feeling anxious about fitting in, uh, this is for anyone who might be thinking about live painting, just like, I mean, just be a nice person, you know, uh-huh. and be honest and you'll get the support you need. And if there's if there's a if there's any artist out there who is discouraging you, don't listen to that asshole. <laughs> yeah. Just totally. like, just yeah. you know, I think it like a big part of like what we may jump over about success is just being a an amicable person and, and totally. open and and you know, nice yeah. uh, kindness goes a long way. And man, I could tell that you were, you were just a, a great person off the top. And you, you also came out with like these incredible detailed paintings and you're like, Oh no, man, I'm nervous. I'm like, you're a better guy <laughs> than me. <laughs> <laughs> that was so, a lot yeah. of pressure, you know, learning how to paint those intricate drawings in a live painting setting was it was definitely a lot of pressure. You sure. know? I, sure. I needed that to like drive me forward. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who were like, dude, this is gonna take you fucking years to paint these. And it did. It took me like two, three <laughs> years. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah, man. Well, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, we have no idea when civilization is going to come back online but do you have any uh upcoming things that you want to share with the people yeah are you live streaming or anything no you know i'm not live streaming anything um kind of just maybe posting up pictures of some work in progress stuff but yeah i was looking forward to just like everyone the festival scene and you know sonic bloom and arise if arise is going to even happen but uh you know since all of that is kind of in the air right now I'm just uh, just going with the flow, you know. Hopefully, when things do pick back up, which whenever that'll be, um, and, and you know, just reach out to certain people about events and see if I can hop on board with something last minute, you know. So hopefully, it's like September, and then you know, in the fall, you know, something happens and you know, events start rolling in. But uh, I'm, I'm not setting myself up to hold on to those expectations, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I do. Yeah. The, I understand the reality could be, you know, far more complex and it can grow in complexity, but you know, we have places like in China where the, the, where this whole thing supposedly started, right. Where the, there's provinces there where they're completely back on track and the employees are back at work and there's supposedly no new cases. And it took them a matter of what, two, three months to, uh, come back on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, figure all that out. So that's that's hopeful for yeah. us. Mm-hmm. You know, um, granted, that American people will have to, uh, you know, kind of 
rise up to that occasion, you know, because there's a lot of displaced people right now. It's not like people are waiting around to jump back into the jobs they had. There's some people that left and went home and uh, some people that did other things and moved on, you know, and Mm -hmm. so it's not like this engine is going to start right back up again and then everything's going to be fucking peachy keen. Like, you know, it's definitely way more uh, layered. And so, yeah, we got a few few things to work through, but I hopefully, yeah, it will jump right back up just like China is doing. Oh, yeah. And uh, it really is optimistic for me that to see that that's happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. The social distance, everyone, so that we can get back out there and share paintings. <laughs> yeah. sure. Stay, stay sure. away from each other so we can hug each other later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and let's... Let's hope, you know, if, uh, if the one th- main thing that comes out of this is that unified, like, empathy and compassion and kindness for everyone, you know, well, because, you know, everyone's kind of undergoing cabin fever right now. And so I'm sure when, when everyone is able to, like, come back out again, it's not just like the same old thing, but there's this truly deeper respect for each other. Oh, yeah. Um, that's the best thing that can come out of this, you know. Like I said, it's not like anything drastic changes. It's going to be just as simple as that, mm-hmm. I believe. I'm yeah. down. Let's do it. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Have a snowball effect of positivity after all this. Yeah. 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 Let's do it. Oh, yeah. And uh, how can people find your art and you? Website, Instagram? Yeah. You know, my website has always been up and down in the past. I should probably work on it during this whole quarantine thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just Noble Arts Project on um, social media uh chris Raposa on facebook because i'm just sharing my stuff online right now and uh, i'm sure all the social or the website stuff and my work being available online will kind of unfold this year if i if i kind of get that happening <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> nice well, all good things in good time you'll get that so, <laughs> yeah well man thank you so much for talking with us this is great yeah man that was I forgot it was so seamless and organic. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully we can do one in person uh, sometime soon. Yeah. Cool. That happens. But yeah, we really appreciate you. And uh, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Much love, yeah, dude. And, uh, much love, you guys. Thank you. Hell yeah. We love you guys. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of RCAF Podcast. For additional images and notes on this episode, you can check out our website, rcafpodcast.com. And you can find me, Andrew Norris, at andrew.norris.arts on Instagram. And andrewnorrisarts.com is my website. I also have links on my website to episodes as well as all my best paintings. And you can find me, John Speaker. My website is johnspeaker.com. On Instagram, I'm at John Speaker. And on Facebook, John Speaker Art. Thanks again for listening. Peace. Thank you. (laughs) 